All right, here we go. Game day, Big Ten Championship. On our way to Indianapolis. Who's with me? That's right. I have no friends. friends mark you've got friends <laughs> with legacy partners before we kick off the show today thank you so much everybody for tuning in I want to thank our sponsors including legacy partners when you're bombarded with insurance ads promising to save you money when you really need to save money you need to check out our new sponsor legacy partners insurance charlie's been telling you about how they can help you with everything from your car your boat your rv motorcycle whatever they're independent and they shop between seven and ten carriers for your insurance to find you the best deal and when you get their quote you'll be mad at your current insurance carrier here's what you need to do call 586-209-4106 and tell them you heard it here first uh charlie's not going to do the 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 the, the, the 50 dollars yeah card. we're not going to do that he says that's cheesy so just go to legacy partners <laughs> and tell them that charlie told you to call 586-209-4106 i think i think he figures that uh, you'll be saving enough money when you go there that that the 50 dollars will be yeah, trivial dropping the okay. dropping the bucket we'll All be right. checking in with him in a little bit yes we will but in the meantime there's no place like home <laughs> see click your heels three times <laughs> at least you guys miss my smooth transitions no, I just, come I, on I, mark I, now I, I see what charlie's talking about come on mark <laughs> it's, it's a really hard to run multiple uh, things okay. at one time it's but all good. try it again maybe it'll work this time all right so uh i forgot what i was saying i think i said there was nothing what did i say there's, no, no, place like home. there's no place like home there's no be it I ever so humble Hall from Hall Financial. <laughs> the top rated realtors in michigan have said that our five-star certified pre-approval is a game changer to the home buying process. Hall Financial's focus on speed and client service allows you to take on the housing market and win. When you're ready to purchase your new home, you need to make Hall Financial your first call. The mortgage company realtors trust and buyers love. 866-CALL-HALL or chat with us at callhallfirst.com. All right. And again, talking about home, uh, Charlie's not home, but there are people that are trying to uh, find home. Charlie is still on the southern border. Mark, are we he ready is. to talk to him? Yeah. I, fingers crossed. He should be down there. All right. He's there. Can we get to him? Charlie, can you hear us? Yes. Yeah, I can hear you. Yep. I am uh, on the Eagle Pass Municipal Golf Course. It's hole number three. It's about about 302 to the pin, straight shot. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the four hybrid, but uh, <laughs> the gallery back here is freaking me out, man. It's a, there they are, dripping wet. Nothing to their names, only the clothes on their back. About two dozen of them, migrants. They just crossed over. That's uh, Piedras Negras, Mexico. This is Eagle Pass, Texas, and just as uh, 
you guys were chit-chatting. Three guys walked up, just walked up, came out the water, walked up, turned themselves into the National Guard, the Texas National Guard, and they're waiting for their Uber ride. So the bus will be here, and they'll take them about a half mile from here. They'll process them, take their names, divide them up. Some people will be asking for asylum. Some people are just asking for an immigration hearing, right? Uh, I'm not claiming asylum. I, I just want to be here. Uh, they'll be fingerprinted. They'll, they'll be checked. They'll be given papers. They'll be given a ticket somewhere. And welcome to America. It's like that all day, every day, every week, every month, every day of the year. And what's going to happen in about 15 days, December 21st, is Title 42, which was a COVID-era policy, meaning if you're seeking asylum, uh, you still need to go back to Mexico and wait because of the COVID emergency. We actually never really implemented, implemented that. But... On the other side of the bank, we went there yesterday. Dude, it is like a barrio. I mean, it is rough. It's stray dogs, tough-looking guys with gold in their teeth, corrugated sheds, towels for doors. They're all staging there, and they're coming. They're going to be coming. So uh, the lay of the land there, those two bridges are heading into Mexico, right? One, you said one is a pedestrian bridge, but that, that's where they stage them underneath a bridge. That doesn't, that doesn't seem like a very uh, adequate staging area. It's a makeshift. Well, these bridges, these are international bridges. That's international bridge number two behind me is international bridge number one, and that's the train trestle. And so... This is the clearing. Uh, they're, they're all up and down this whole 50 miles here. In fact, uh, a couple of days ago, we were going around with Chris Cabrera, a friend of the show. He's the vice president of the National Border Patrol Council. And uh, in that case, we're going to show you in a minute after we're done talking, some tape with 350 people in one single group cross 350 they were from cuba venezuela peru honduras nicaragua you name it i mean they had them all in lines 350 they were suckling children they were old people i mean it's full-on hungry people coming and there's nothing to prohibit it there's nothing in place on one side you got the democrats uh core constituency we're not going to do anything. The Republicans on the other side, they love something to scream about. And yet the state, this state in Mexico, uh, they're livid because they're not getting help from anybody. And the reason that everybody you'll hear in the piece comes here is the state is doing a very good job fighting the cartels, the Zetas, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the Sinaloans, um, and they're starting to push in because now there's more money in people than there is in drugs. So what 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 does this mean? What what what's the what does this mean, Charlie? I mean, because people on this side, you know, are saying, you know, close the border, don't let them over. Just the, and I know that this is a hot political issue, but at the at the bottom line, I mean, we're bringing people in. I mean, do they have the ability to be able to provide for themselves? What does it mean for the United States just overall? Am I supposed to answer that? <laughs> yes, you are. That's why you're there. Run for president. I mean, no, that's not that. That is that is philosophy. I'm a reporter. Uh, again, I just want to show you, we're not bringing them. Yeah. We're not bringing them. Bringing themselves. And look, this this is your border. 
I mean, look, and let's swivel around here. Up over there is this fence that you all tweet me and text me and say the Border Patrol, it's so effective. It's not effective, and the Border Patrol will tell you that. You'll hear that. It's effective when we're not sending signals from Washington that we're accepting anybody that touches American soil. You can see there, right here, once you touch soil, you're here. Right? I, I, that yeah. fence is over there. I'm, I'm on the municipal. Look at the irony. I'm on the municipal golf course. That's what I was going to say. And they're fucking yeah. my swing up back here. You are literally so, on a golf course right, right by people that are trying to get into this country. That is, that, I don't know. That's, that is some really rich irony that you have. You know, golf, this elitist, rich sport. And then here's people that have, you know, just a few pesos to their name because they spent it all getting across the border. It's really, it's awful. Welcome to America. Yeah. To finish, you know, your, the question, Karen, it's like, can they provide for themselves? But that's the point. And so we're talking about another uh, imposition on, you know, U.S. economy. I mean, people have this fear about people coming over the border because they don't know anything about them. Uh, you know, so I, I'm just I'm just thinking and maybe I'm just thinking out loud. But in terms of the, the larger picture, ultimately, what does this mean? <laughs> I don't know how they're going to fix it. Yeah. It means we got a lot of hungry people, and you know, exactly. uh, you know, uh, I don't even know how to throw this. I, I we have a, a piece prepared for you, so you you can you can see the, the the mass swath of humanity that's coming, and who can blame them? They're hungry, right? I would do it. You would do it. But again, is is there a better way than a couple of portagons? The the law enforcement authorities acting as Uber drivers, isn't there a better way? Of yeah. course there is. It's going to take the United States government, the Mexican government, the Nicaraguan government, the Guatemalan government, the Salvadoran government, the Honduran government, to get in and figure some rational way instead of a bum rush. Again, I'm not holding my breath. Also yeah. American. It'll mm. never happen. You know? So, so and yeah. In the next few days, when that Title Forty Two expires, can we, you think, expect to see double, triple what you're seeing now? Because they're staging up on the other side, getting ready to come when that expires. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it a little more after the piece read. But we went over there to look because we are your reporters. We are from a border town. This is a border town. We got a lot of things in common, and we little tease. We came over with a Nicaraguan ex-con named Elvis. And he's about this tall. He had three pesos to his name. That's about 15 cents. Can't swim. And he's watching like this group, like where do you cross? And we went. Wow. We, did, we did cross and we will bring you that Thursday. But maybe you guys want to take a look at yeah. the piece with Chris Cabrera from the National Border Patrol. And I mean, this is a... Remember, I came to the United States through Mexico, smuggled in with the Sinaloa cartel 20 years ago. In that case, we went through the desert because you didn't want to be caught. In this case, you absolutely want to be caught because you're claiming amnesty and you can tell they're, they're shivering, right? So they want to be processed and pushed. Today, if you're in the desert, uh, the uh, Texas National Guard was telling me, you're carrying dope. And it's in the news now that the largest load of fentanyl ever 
was, uh, you know, apprehended on the border. So what you're going to see here and here in the piece is when huge groups come over, all of the resources, the National Guard, the Border Patrol, they, they're all there to process the nanny at hmm. time. Another mile down the river, you'll have the cartels getting in the dope. So it's sort of a faint move. You know what wow. I mean? Yeah. Like a so play it's, action. It's, as I was telling these cartels, business. Yeah. They know what they're doing. And so, again, I'm pleading with you, Washington, when you whisper dumb shit, the whole world hears. And I almost saw a woman go down with her baby in her arms. Oof. When we were with Elvis, we were watching and she and had a baby in her. I'm like, we can do better than this. Hmm. Well, let's let's uh, check it out. Let's see your piece. Here we go. Okay. How's it over there? 300 at the Thank you. There's 300 at the orchard. Oh, that's cool. Take the dirt road towards the river when it tees off. Take a right and you'll go towards the corner of a train and fence. There we go. Wow! Okay. There's a chain link fence, not necessarily a border wall, but it's just a, you know, chain link fence. But they cross a little upriver of here. They walk down this trail and come in and turn themselves in to the agents here. That's that truck that they loaded them all in. Yeah, here's what I learned. They're all from Cuba. Mm -hmm. Right along the fence, they came in from uh, Nicaragua, made their way up. And I said, where'd you cross? They go, there. I go, who led you? Nobody. No. Look, remember I said when you get over here, you'd start find the spot. Yeah. You see it? You see that little opening in the brush on the Mexican side? Yeah. That's the crossing spot. <laughs> In the last two years, how many people have made their way into the United States? Well, I think last year was over two million. And the year before that, I think just under two million. And then you have the unknown number of people that are got away that we have no idea that got away. And then you look at the people that are overstaying visas. I mean, that, that 11 million number of illegals in the United States is, is just a fantasy. And how did they come? They just swim across, or in some places walk across. And they're from Cuba, Cuba, Venezuela, Poland, Nicaragua, you name it. It's not just Central and South America. I mean, there, there's guys from Romania. There's guys from um, you know, some of the, uh, the Arab countries. You name it, we, we see it. Nicaragua. Guatemala. No, Cuba, Nicaragua, Honduras. Guatemala. Para autobús? Todo? Tractor? No. See? Good luck, brother. And why do they choose this sector? It's not as violent on the Mexican side. It's not as dangerous. They don't have the, the cartel problem like they have in the, uh, the area directly south from us. There's a big problem. Laredo, same way, big problem. Here, it's the, the cartels are somewhat under control on the mexican side so it's safer for them to cross so you have a, a gang war in your sect yes and what are the what are the cartels the gulf cartel and the zetas and they figured out that this is worth more than drugs yeah oh yeah this is worth way more than drugs i mean you look at the average person pay seven to ten thousand across and that's just from the central american countries and you look at south americans pay ten to fifteen 
and then anywhere off the continent, 20 to 25,000 ahead. And when they come here, you don't have to pay that last bit, which is you bring yourself over, yeah. over where you're at. Yeah, where we're at, everybody that crosses pays an extra tax to the cartels. Because that state, Coahuila? Yeah, Coahuila. Is doing a good job fighting the cartel. The southern states aren't helping and the federal government like ours is ineffective. Yeah. And on this side, they do a good job. They keep the violence down. It's a small town, and yet they get overwhelmed. Yeah. New York complains about a thousand a month, and we have a thousand a day. Yeah. Two thousand a day. Yeah. This right here is probably three, three fifty, right here. And this sector is fifty miles long. Yeah. Before, when you had President Obama, it was somewhat high. When President Trump took over, it was about the same numbers. It did remain in Mexico, where they would have to go back to Mexico and and wait for uh, their asylum claim to be heard. That means people other than Mexicans. Yes. Mexicans go well, even, back. Even Mexicans, if they were claiming asylum, would have to go back to Mexico and wait for That it. was new. Yes. And then when they did away with that and they put it back in place, it didn't all come back in place, only partially came back in place. And then you have countries that have protective status. They can't go back because of whatever reason. And this is the result. <laughs> And in the meantime, probably a mile downstream, they're probably running a bunch of dope because all our people are tied up over here with this shit. That's why they send them big groups. And if we ever got back to enforcing, I mean, you look at the stats, you compare the stats from two years ago, 10 years ago of drug loads to now, almost nothing. And it's not that they stopped moving dope. They just stopped getting caught. To me, the hardest part is seeing stuff like this, the little kids' shoes, because you know that they brought little kids on, on this trip. And anything could happen to these kids if, if you know, they slip out of their mom's arms, they're, they're done. You know, they're not gonna be able to swim across. Yeah. And you see nothing but tiny little shoes and bottles and kids' toys. And to me, that's the, that's, that's the kicker right there. I think that's what gets most agents is seeing that stuff. It's, it's frustrating. We shouldn't be having to deal with this. I mean, we have laws in place that, that nobody follows and everybody knows they're not gonna get enforced. And this is the, this is the result. And unfortunately, you have a lot of people that don't make the journey to completion. Either they fall somewhere along the ways in the, on the Mexican side or they, they don't make it on the US side. If they're trying to get away, they end up dead in a ranch somewhere from dehydration or a snake bite. And it happens way too, way too, too many times than, than it needs to, and a lot of times it's children. Somebody's immigration documents. What the fuck? Their little pass to get through Mexico. Yeah, remember I was telling you, you could learn a lot of coming through here, and the shit you learn, like where they're coming from, and who they are, and, and that's without even going through the pockets. This person here is from Venezuela, and this one is... Venezuela as Venezuela well. Venezuela as well. And so what they do is they come over to Nicaragua, they cross into Mexico, and the government, the Mexican government mm -hmm. gives them a 30-day travel document here yeah. in Chiapas, southern part of the country. Yep. And then they make their way up here. You got 30 days. Yeah. So to get they, through. they know what they're doing. Oh, yeah. Somewhere in here is a solution. You don't think we could get the Mexican government, like the state government officials in Mexico want, at least the border states, get it together, come up with some kind of solution of a bum rush on the southern border of Mexico, 
where people are taking kickbacks and issuing these, and you got 30 days to cross this river. There's an easy solution, and if we want people in, we can simply send them documents where instead of flying to Nicaragua, you can fly to Dallas. If you wanted to do it, this is not necessary. Hey, get back! People deserve better, but like Charlie said, if they wanted to do it, they could. But there's there, there's profit in it not happening. Can we go back to Charlie? He's there, yeah. Can you hear us, Charlie? Yeah, so, look, here's some travel documents. This person's from Venezuela, and they entered Mexico on foot from Chiapas. This person's from Venezuela, 30 days entered on foot. Honduras, they entered on foot. This person's from Cuba, they dropped their passport. Alicia, if, if you're out there, I have your passport. Good wow. luck. Um, Antonio here is a truck driver from Nicaragua. This is the saddest one of all. This is Nicole Mesa from Venezuela. She's 14 years old. And this is her vaccination card. And within the vaccination card, she has last month, she received an implant, a birth control implant at 14 years old. Why would a 14-year-old last month get a birth control implant? I'll tell you why. Because the chances of getting raped are really high on this 1,500-mile journey. And if you're going to be raped, you definitely don't want to be pregnant. And that's how the 14-year-old begins her American life. Charlie, um, I don't know how many you talk to outside of Elvis, but do they... Do they have a plan as to where they're going to go when they're here or what they're going to do? I mean, or is the goal just to get here and then figure it out? I mean, what's your sense with that? My sense with this is, look, everybody knows it's an economic game, right? But mm -hmm. everybody has the story about uh, political persecution or what have you. Many people I've talked to, those people, hey, tell senor. Bienvenido. Hey, tu pantalones son guapos, senor. Perfect. He's wearing designer jeans, bro. <laughs> I know. Um, uh, Focus, most of, most of them have a place to go, but uh, like in the case of Elvis, uh, uh, that will show you Thursday, he doesn't have family or friends here. It's just the siren call of this place. So he'll come, he'll take his chances. I mean, the, wow. the word is out. Right? Yeah. The word is out. Peru, you'll see, as you heard, there's people from Romania, Ukraine, Russia. China, Africa, I mean, what is 5 million people? 5 million people is almost two entire states of Nevada. Huh. It, for some perspective, remember the Syrian refugees mm -hmm. that were flooding into yeah. Europe? Oh, yeah. In, in total, remember that caused a shift in politics in Europe. In total, that was about 1 million Syrian refugees. We're talking 5 million and more to come. Why, why do you think it is that the United States government don't try to put some type of pressure or get together with these other country leaders and, and fix this together? Like you said. What does a fix look like? That's the thing. I mean, everybody's going to want something, exactly. Well, a fix, yeah. a fix is relative for every country. That's the, that's the issue, I think. Well, also remember, we're from a border state, right? Yeah. So here's, here's the deal with the United States and Canada. If... You're a foreign national, not an American, not a Canadian, and, and you're caught crossing 
your return to the country from which you crossed. We have no such agreement anymore with Mexico. We did in the Trump era, and we don't now. Also, if you come from the United States to Canada or Canada to the United States and you're claiming asylum, you're from a third country, you must return to the country from which you came, either Canada or the United States, and make your asylum claim there. It doesn't exist here. Ask yourself, why? Someone on uh, commented on YouTube about um, all the trash that was left behind. Do you have any idea what they do with that or who cleans it up or does it just stay there for whenever? I mean, That's not, the not even the worst, dude. I mean, these, these are like super high. You're talking. You're talking five million people. Yeah, so exactly. that's just one, one place we showed you. It is uh, an ecological disaster here. I mean, right, right, Byron? It is. I mean, some places it's up like this. Oh, my God. And again, I mean, you're seeing children's dolls. We showed you when we first got here. Their, their papers, their passports, uh, money, Cuban pesos, no longer necessary. Mm -hmm. um, it's, yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> Maybe when this is done, we're going to clean it up. Doesn't make any sense to pick it up now. But it's, it's, never, it's but, it's, but it's ecological. It's economic. But there's a human interest thing there. As Charlie and Cabrera were going through, you know, the the, the findings and what's left, yeah. you're looking at the remnants well, of 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 of, a, of lives. It's a huge. Yeah. It's a huge problem. But I, I always get, I get a little perturbed when people kind of direct their anger at the individual. I'm like, look. at these people i mean this but that's is what a, i'm saying yeah, there, there's a, a human there th these are people that are but for me and maybe we'll hear more about this or talk more about it on thursday when charlie comes back and and has another piece of the of the puzzle but they're coming into a country where people that are uh, already under severely underserved you yeah. talk about the 14 year old people that you know unemployment uh, i mean so that whole thing in terms of an economic impact senoras y senoras to autobus Oh, the bus is there. Mm -hmm. wow. Here comes the bus. Here comes the ride. Now they're going to be taken to the center of town, given something to eat, get some warm clothes, go to the processing center. Oh, he's and wife froze. Yeah, okay. he's frozen and, up and now. What, and what I, will go, I will go in there. Go ahead. You froze up a little bit there, so... I'm interested in the process. I'll go in there and, and talk to him, but but you're going to get that Thursday. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Well. And what actually happens at the processing center? Yeah, I'd love to know that. I, I, I tell you what. What really I find amazing is the amount of physical resource they're wasting, or not wasting, but dedicating to try to keep this contained, and all the drugs that steadily sliding in here. Yeah, that's Cavaris. Yeah, but like he was saying, it's they're focusing now on the people. That's right. becoming the commodity. Because, that is the commodity. Yeah, yeah which, that, you're absolutely right. But I mean, they're it, not going to stop. You're not going to stop a cartel. There are no. so just like this. I mean, in all the other issues that we see and that we talk about, there are solutions. But people don't want solutions because it becomes profitable. It becomes yes. beneficial for somebody else for those problems to remain. I mean, that's just a reality. Period. Well, like Charlie said, all these visas that they're getting to get thirty days to cross through Mexico. Mm -hmm. Why is no one on those side on that side rushing that? Uh, let's see. Can we got him back? It's still running. Yeah, it's um, it's still. I think I think he's talking to Byron about what our connection is oh, like. Okay. Um, right. I, I I talked to him earlier, Charlie. I don't know if you can hear me now. It looks like you're connected. 
Okay, can you hear me? Yep, yes. there you are. Okay, so this is the Texas National Guard. So the fucking TV talk is, let's send the National Guard, right? Well, there's no ammo in those weapons, and we're not really looking to hurt anybody. But what the National Guard is... Yeah. Is they're making people up on the Ah, balls. It's just delayed. Just keep it right. So, so basically, you're saying the National Guard is the ones that the body's in place to to send this process through. They are, we already sending the National Guard. So what well, else? they're there, but they're there in appearance only. They're not, right. They're not 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 in an enforcement capacity. It's really interesting too because he is in an actual you know city, as we saw mm -hmm. earlier with the golf course, and he was telling me, um, you know, he's been talking to a lot of, mm -hmm. of the Americans that live there uh, about you know, the misconceptions of the border. And they're like, yeah, this is bad, but this is a good place to live. And I don't know, Charlie, if you, if you heard that or what you remember, what your response was, because uh, he told me, just let me know. Can you, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Much better spot. You guys are in a much better spot, but Charlie was no, saying no, that no. we're a border town. We understand that, you know, what I, Charlie's saying something. Go ahead, Charlie. Thank you. We begin plastic bags, put your belongings in there. They'll be checked for contraband when they get over there. If you, I'm seeing, but don't swivel, I'm seeing a group of people start to congregate on the other side of the river. They've got kids with them. Over there's the Mexican officials. Again, you'll see Thursday. They tried to stop us. We're like, man, be quiet, man. He goes, this is not correcto, sir. And I go, well, nothing here is correct. I, I, feel, I feel bad for all those Border Patrol workers, too, man. They're so overwhelmed. It sounds like the Mexican side is treated like security guards more than that's, federal that's, officials. That's what they're saying. They're, they're, yeah. they're basically babysitters, Uber drivers. Exactly. They're not there in the capacity that they should be. What'd you say, Charlie? Yeah, well, look at the American officials and the, the Mexican officials are, look, everybody's a human, right? Yep. And so you must treat them with some dignity. So what power do they actually have? Right. Again, when you touch, here, let's, let's, let's just walk up. If we go out, just say it. I'll hear you. Come on. Keep talking so we can monitor it. Yeah. So we're just going to show you the bank here. Right here. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, there are about 30 people there. Charlie wishing them all good luck. Oh, we can't? I thought, I thought this private property. I mean, public on this side of the bridge. We just wanted to take a picture. Oh, see, oh, sorry, man. We'll go 60 feet away. My bad. Gotta be 60 feet away from the people. See, it's not easy to be reporting here. Okay, now you're going out. Now you're cutting out. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably right there at that water. There's the water, yeah. So that's where they cross. Oh, wow. Boom. Wow. That's it. Okay. All right. All right, Charlie. We'll stay safe. Uh, looking forward to Thursday's piece. Maybe because I yeah okay man and, yep. you know Merry Christmas to everybody. Well, you'll be back Thursday, Charlie. So just be careful, be safe. Know, and, unless he gets um, detained, he will not be. Nobody's going to keep Charlie. They detain Charlie <laughs> for five minutes and, and they, they say nobody will let you go. <laughs> right? You can't, you can't oh. keep that man contained. Are, are we on? 
Yeah, 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 you're still there. Are we on? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, we were detained. We were detained. <laughs> we were. see it all. Look at, oh, that, wow. look at that smile on his face. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's going to be a great All right, part. if you don't mind, I got I to gotta get back to my golf game. <laughs> <laughs> Just play through. Just all play right, through. Be, <laughs> be, all right, brother. Be safe. Thank you. <laughs> well done. And all a right. special shout-out to Luke Nowacki. Thank you, brother. Uh, Bernie Yoskovich, thank you, brother. Thank all the sponsors for making this happen. Yep, everybody's on board. Thanks, Charlie. We appreciate it. And I want to thank, too, the listeners and the viewers because they're being patient with the technology and the interruptions that we have no control over when we're trying to bring you, uh, you know, so we we appreciate that, too. But I guess I'm taking it back, Mark Red. One more thing. Yes. Go ahead, Charlie. Um, We we were honored with a a beautiful dinner of uh, roast lamb and, and goat stew. Hmm. Yeah, from a bunch of tios, a bunch of uncles here in Eagle Pass. And they said, look, everybody's afraid to be here in this border town. And all the stories are of violence. And I said to Don, uh, David, I said, it's the same where we're from. Mm -hmm. We're from a border town that's violent. And every story that comes out of it is one of fear. And yet it's so much more. Right. So I want to let you know that Eagle Pass is a beautiful place with a beautiful culture and beautiful people, just like Detroit. We got a sister city down here. And if we remember that, then it's going to be a much better place for whomever comes and who's ever been here. It's really important to say. All right. Thanks, Charlie. Uh, and, and that's a perfect transition, Mark, uh, Red, and Zach. I'm sorry, Jesus. Um, <laughs> b- because because we do get saddled with that, you know, and, and that oh. kind of overshadows the reality of who we are as a community and as yeah. a city and the people, you know, I, I do think that's changing a little bit just because of the of the of the changing perception of the city. But we're still uh, a, a violent city and we're viewed to be even a more violent city than we actually well, I'm are. I'm sure when somebody from Eagle Pass meets, um, you know, go travels and oh, where are you from? And they say uh, Eagle Pass is right on the border. You've probably seen it on TV. And immediately, you know, you're going to have an idea of what that is but that's unfair though because it's from people that have probably never been there the same way they do detroit that's what i was gonna say whenever i tell people you know i always say detroit because you know technically i'm i'll give you a very very limited pass on that one (laughs) well i'm traveling we'll we'll talk about that later (laughs) go ahead until you got a detroit area but they immediately are like oh what's Mm -hmm. that like downtown right you know and then you become a a member of the the visitors bureau where you're like well it's not that bad you know (laughs) (laughs) what were you saying red well it it, that goes with decades of stereotyping and and branding of detroit being a violent place i mean but the reality is is that we are a pretty violent city but but, we are and and we're now and now we see the 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 wrangling between the perception that's put out the the control narrative and the reality you think about the tree lighting ceremony last week and you know there were shots fired you think about in 2019 at noel night shots were fired you know uh, and they they put all these these things in place for noel night this year so while we are there there is one thing i will say that the perception of the city has shifted but the reality of it is still we still do i mean like most urban areas we aren't any worse you know because just like we're seeing all these issues are being brought in 
on top of existing issues. Yeah. Well, that's that, the problem. We aren't solving the ones that are here already. And that's that's pretty much where I was going to go to. Detroit sticks out because of the decades of stereotype. Mm-hmm. But in reality, oh, we are not different from a whole lot of urban cities with a bunch of financial issues, shortages and staffing, sure. police and all that. Without a doubt. And anytime there's a sports championship and there's a riot, they always reference... 1984 Detroit. Right. Yeah. Tigers, right. Wait a second. We wasn't the only city that turned no over cars. Well, but saying. hey, and as a Spartan, they always talk about that, you know, when burning couches. Well, that part and the is whole... true, though. Okay, well, well if I'm going to give you a pass. Noel night, though, you said the security right. was way up because of the situation right. they, they had. They put... This was the first one post-COVID. Exactly. Yeah. It was because the last one was in 2019, but they had police cars with their, you know, lights on just for visibility right. purposes. That's they huge. had a pretty Yeah, it's huge. but It's, it's... something. Yeah, but this is a thing. I don't want to go somewhere. Do I feel protected or do I feel like something is about to jump off? You know, I, yeah. don't, I, I don't want that, you know. And so I think it can it depends on how you look at it. For some people that are not familiar, maybe that makes them feel comfortable. But for me, it's almost like you're expecting, inviting, inciting something to happen. Well, I, you know, being in Indianapolis, I was talking to somebody. Who by was, yourself? Who was, <laughs> I met people there. I just had to travel by myself. Okay. I have a f- I have one or two friends. Um, but <laughs> three. <laughs> three. I'm one. Oh, thank you. Okay. You didn't call me. You're not my friend? All right. Thanks. You didn't call um, me. I would have rolled. Jesus is everybody's true. friend. Um, uh, but what I was going to say is talking to somebody from Indianapolis, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, yeah, this part of downtown has gotten really, really bad. And the reason they mentioned that is because they had a police presence, like I assume we had on Noel night, where mm-hmm. there was a cruiser at every intersection. Yeah, I don't want to see that. And we that. thought, oh, is, the, are those, is that a street being closed for the game? And they're like, mm-hmm. no, that's just to have a presence. See, I don't like that. That's like... The Meyer on Eight Mile, and I haven't yeah. been there in years. When I saw, I, I've been there recently. A, a creepy yeah. crawly thing in there, and I haven't been back. <laughs> that was but, just me. No, but uh, you know they've got a police car outside. I got armed police. I don't want to grocery shop like that. I just don't. I don't feel like I live in a third world country, and if I have to have that type of uh, oversight. It just doesn't and make they, me feel comfortable. They had comfortable. an issue with one of their security guards, too. They've so. had a lot of issues yeah. there. So, And I understand, again, like Red said, we're in an urban area. We've got a lot of people. We've got a, 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 a mix of people that create a mix of challenges. But for me, I don't want that. That's yeah. not what I'm looking for. So, I don't know. Did you go to Noel night? Did either of you go to or the Christmas tree lighting? No. No. no yeah. No, I'm kind of, no. kind of above and beyond that. I, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm kind of getting to that age where I'm not going nowhere. I feel it's going to be a bunch of young folks. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> Are young people. Well, no, yeah. see, oh. now I t- now I got to say that we <laughs> can't, all, we, we can't, we, we cannot, yeah. we cannot do that either. I mean, no. because we cannot be afraid of our young people. No, no, I, it's, it's not that I'm afraid, but I mean, let's just be honest about it. And we were young. Does it make you feel and old? When I, no, not at all. Cause okay. I know I'm old. Uh, <laughs> but when we, when I was young, me and my buddies and go people out were afraid of you and they were, you know, exactly. but, but the reality was that, that, more things can tend to happen with a bigger group of young folks because the wisdom well, there, the restraining. I think there. it's almost too is 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 the availability uh, of weapons these days, yeah. and you know that is also a big thing. You, when you guys were hanging out, well, you it know, was, it was fist you fight. had a bow and arrow and a fist fight, <laughs> no, <laughs> a slingshot. <laughs> I did take Goliath down. I did take you Goliath. Did. And I'm not trivializing it, but now there's such a proliferation of guns, yeah. not just yeah. in America. I mean, everybody has a gun. 
including well, that, that, yeah i wanted to get your opinion on um but my brain's still just on that's football. okay mark it's um, all good but um, the university of michigan Who? captain uh, that that's schooled in ann arbor oh. uh big 10 champions two, two years <laughs> in a row that school the one of the captains mozzie smith mm-hmm. Just got hit with a felony weapons charge. Two months after it actually took place when they filed the charge two months later. But he, okay. he was pulled over November 8th. Mm-hmm. They see this weapon and it was just arranged. I don't know, if you know what the proper term is, right. but he was just charged mm-hmm. this charged past week. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting to me, and, and I'm going to preface it by saying, I think the university didn't do the right thing here. Mm-hmm. They didn't suspend him. He right. played. He played in the Big Ten Championship. That's he played the one. Huh? They wanted you guys to win. That's probably I why you want. We well, won without I mean, um, <laughs> But a perception, it might not be fair to him mm-hmm. based on all the facts and, right. and all the first report had was the actual, um, you know, charge. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that's what the story was written on, and everybody, of course, runs to Twitter and immediately starts screaming. So it might not be fair to him to suspend him based on how this might turn out. Right. But perception-wise, perception wise, perception, perception matters. But do. I'm going to tell you, they're going to. They, he's going to be forgiven dismissed on that gray area of him purchase legally purchasing a weapon uh applying for cpl and just not having received confirmation of that prior to carrying the weapon however that that seems to be what the story is he did he did go through training it's his gun he uh, notified the police right away that it was in there but he didn't have the permit and that's why wasn't he on school property yeah. And that, okay. That is so a big, that's big also problem. right. That's also a big problem because not only does the university state that weapons are not allowed, whether you have a CCW or a CPL, but you also can't bring it. I mean, that's part of the training. Yeah. They tell you you can't bring it on, you know, into a school, a university, right. an auditorium. So that that tells you right there. Either he didn't read, maybe he really didn't get the training. You know, there are people that just you pay yeah, the money and get the. A, that's you a know. fair point. I mean, yeah. it, that could be that could be a possibility. I don't know why. I mean, why does he need a gun? On, I don't know. He's a big man on campus. Ca- you know, capital. But it football. goes back to what everybody's saying. People, everybody's afraid. Everybody's afraid, and everybody's afraid of everybody else. And everybody else has a gun. So everybody says, "Oh, well, if they have a gun, I need to get a gun." And then, too, you got to think about it. Yeah, he's a college student, but he's hanging out. He's out there on the weekends, probably going to the clubs out in the city, hanging out. You can't take out. it there either, though. Yeah, no, well, you can't. You can't, but like Karen said, the, the fear of the next person and what they may have makes you say, I'd rather get caught with it than without it. Yeah, that's what they and say. And it's sad, I, but yeah. it's true. I'd, I'd rather uh, not need it and have it than to need it and not have it. And I think that, but but it is, and it's unfortunate, but, you know, we see a lot of athletes that end up in situations, you know, where people approach them or cost them in, in a way. I still don't think that if that were to happen to him out, that brandishing or firing a weapon is the proper way for him to respond. I, I just wouldn't think that. It just seems to lead to unwanted i mean i think a plaxico burris remember mm-hmm. he just mm-hmm. had a gun on him and it was in his pocket and he shot, he shot himself, himself. And yeah you're right so that's that's the other thing but there's also the perception too mark that yeah. people feed into i need a weapon you know to be I, somebody i don't know if you saw this going around i'll find it maybe we will short where they had um uh, it was on crime in the d and and, and the, had a dog with shorts on and it had a gun in the shorts and he was walking around and, 
and somebody you know if it's like Why? okay only in only in detroit but Why? yeah i mean it's just not it's it's not what we need it's not what we do so where do we go from here we've got people coming into a country where people are already not taken care of uh things are compromised i'm looking forward to charlie's story on thursday his yes. interview uh with elvis and i'd really like to know what goes on in the processing centers like you know they're feeding them and giving them a blanket and then what like do they just turn them loose and hope that they find some place to go what happens? I guess, yeah, or, or you know, they're given a court hearing date. I don't know if they still some, do that. Some similar to like I think a catch and release type deal. They process yeah. them and then eventually they let them go until they court they supposed to show up. But most you seem of them to know a little bit back. about that. Well, you know, I've been watching. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, listen, you know, show is a little succinct um, because, again, Charlie and Byron are at the border. Thank you for the report that they brought. More details on Thursday. Gentlemen, thank you, everybody, for kicking in, and we're going to get through it. And until then, take care. Deuces.